Let's pray and ask God for his help. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for being our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father. We thank you for providing us with every good thing. We pray that as we reflect now on this topic of you and money, that you give us wisdom and right thinking and help us to act in appropriate ways. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The comedian Jack Benny used to do a skit. He's walking along the street. Suddenly an armed robber jumps out in front of him and yells, Your money or your life! Jack just stands there. And stands there. After a while, the the robber gets impatient and says, What's it to be? Your money or your life? But Jack says, Don't rush me, I'm still thinking about it. Apparently, in real life, Jack Benny was a very generous man, but I think his skit speaks volumes, don't you? We love money. We spend most of our lives earning money, or investing money, or thinking about money, or spending money. Money is a topic close to our hearts. But the thing is, you already know what my job is today, don't you? You already know what I'm going to say. Give up your hard-earned money. Give your money to mission. You already know what I'm going to say and I expect you're approaching this talk with a mixture of of guilt and defensiveness. Uh, Guilt because you feel like you should be more generous and defensiveness because you don't want to be more generous and you don't want me to tell you to be more generous. I get how we're feeling today and yet I'm sure that God would be pleased if we were more generous. And so my hope today is that we'll see mission not as a... We'll see giving to mission not as a burden, not as something to feel guilty about. I hope we're going to see giving to mission today as being a great opportunity. An opportunity that we want to to joyfully grasp. Now, of course, what we give to mission is a reflection of our broader understanding of what God says about money. And so today we're going to think pretty broadly, what does the Bible say about God and money? What does the Bible say about God and money? And as you can see from your outline, there are four points for us to think about, four points. So, point number one. First point is this. God owns our money. God owns your money. God is the owner of everything in this world. He says it very clearly in Psalm 50, verse 12. God says... The world is mine and all that is in it. That's what God says. Clear as a bell. The thing is, though, most of us, we work hard to earn the money that we have. It didn't just drop into our laps from the sky. We had to study hard and we have to work hard. It doesn't feel like our money belongs to God. It feels like we earned it. But that doesn't detract from this point. Have a look at this next passage. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. God gave you your parents. God gave you your inheritance. God gave you your intellect. God gave you your education and your opportunities. God gives you your health and your ability to earn. It is all from God. It is all God's. And so whether we worked for it or not, it doesn't change the fact 
God owns our money. We didn't arrive on earth with our money and we're not going to take it with us when we go. And so the true situation of us and our money is this. We get to hold on to God's money for a short time as stewards, accountable to him. Worth keeping this in mind when we give money to mission. It was God's money in the first place. As King David said to God when he gave money for God's temple, he said to God, everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. It's not like we're doing God some great favour by giving money to mission. Giving is not something we should be proud of. We can't buy favour from God as if we're doing something extra by giving or anything like that. His money in the first place. That's the first point. God owns our money. The second point is this. It's a little bit paradoxical, I think. The second point is this. God has given our money to us. And so there's a real sense in which it is ours and ours to enjoy. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 19. Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is a gift of God. It is a gift from God our Father to us. 1 Timothy 6.17, similar. Command those who are rich to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God gives us money. Why? For our enjoyment. To do with it as we think is best. He is a gracious heavenly Father who gives us stuff to enjoy and he enjoys it when we enjoy it like any father there is nothing wrong with enjoying our money there's nothing sinful about enjoying our money it is a gift from god and we can without guilt enjoy it and say thank you very much as it says in 1 timothy 4 everything god created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving because it's consecrated set apart by the word of god and prayer Friends, it's it's important that we are clear on this. Your money is genuinely yours. Have you ever heard the American expression, an Indian giver? It's a bit of a racist expression, I think. But uh, it's the idea of, of someone who gives you a gift, but then they want it back later. God is not an Indian giver. He's given us our money and we are free to do with it as we think best. We are still accountable to God, of course, for how we behave, but we are genuinely free to do with our money what we want. You, you see this idea in, um, in that terrible story of Ananias and Sapphira. You know that terrible, terrible story? The couple, couple who sold their house, they gave part of the money to the church, but they pretended they'd given all the money. Uh, the story ends very badly. But before we get there, the Apostle Peter says something very, very important. From Acts chapter 5, Peter said... Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? But look at this. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. 
Peter's perfectly clear about it. They didn't have to give their money. It was theirs. It belonged to them. It was at their disposal. They had a choice whether to give their money or not. They were accountable to God for how they behaved in their lives, but it was their money. Paul says something similar in 2 Corinthians. He's talking about a financial gift to help Jewish Christians, and he says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Friends, do you see the point? Your money is yours. God is not compelling you to give. And, and God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need you to feed him or something like that. As he says in Psalm 50, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens. Every animal of the forest is mine, says God, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. For the world is mine and all that is in it. So that's our second point. Your money is yours. God has given it to you. He doesn't need it back. So don't feel guilty about it. You do what you think is best with your money and say thank you very much to God for it. Point number three. Point number three. Money isn't God. Money isn't God. And so we shouldn't treat it as if it is. First, we shouldn't rely on money as if it can save us or give us real life. The Apostle Paul puts it like this. He says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Money is a very uncertain thing to put your hope in. It is here one day and gone the next. It can't fix your life. It can't give you genuine security. You can't take it with you and it won't give you eternal life. Don't rely on money. Similarly, we shouldn't love money as if it were God. It's not worth Loving like that, it can't ultimately satisfy us. As the writer of Ecclesiastes says, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is, my translation of Hevel, vaporous. Like a breath, it's gone. Your money's gone so quickly. Similarly, we shouldn't serve money as if it's God. Not worth it. And it will get in the way of us serving the one who is truly worthy. As Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Money isn't God. And if we start to treat it as if it is God, we are in grave, grave danger. Uh, do you remember Jesus' parable about those, those four soils, the seed falling in the four soils? Do you remember the third soil? Jesus said... The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. Unfruitful Christian lives ending up not even a Christian. Money can deceive you. It can trick you into turning away from God and not relying on him. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. 
Money isn't God, so don't rely on it, don't love it, don't serve it, and be very, very careful that it doesn't lead you away from the real God. Be very careful because money is tricky stuff. Uh, I guess the application of this point uh, for, for mission is this, for giving to mission. It's a question that we need to ask ourselves. We need to ask ourselves, well, why am I not more generous in giving to mission? What is stopping me? Is it because I am treating money as if it is God? Is it because of the way I'm loving money, serving money, relying on money? It's worth asking ourselves, why am I not more generous? Final point. Point number four. Point number four. Money spent on mission is money well spent. Money spent on mission is money well spent. Let me show you two reasons two reasons why money spent on mission is money well spent. The first reason is this. When we choose to spend our money on mission, it is pleasing to God. God is pleased when we spend money on mission. In his letter to the Philippians, the Apostle Paul says it. He's thanking them for sending money to help him on his mission. And he says this. He says, I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They, the money, are are a fragrant offering. An acceptable sacrifice, notice, pleasing to God. Now that's an interesting thought, don't you reckon? That we could please God by the way we spend our money. Interesting, I mean, we've already seen that God owns our money. When we give to him, we're only giving him what he gave us in the first place. We've already seen that God doesn't need our money. We've already seen that God has genuinely given our money to us. It belongs to us. Uh, And yet here we see that we can spend our money in such a way as to please God. I've used this illustration before about three or four years ago. Perhaps some people still remember it. Uh, But it reminds me of something that used to happen with my children. Often on a Friday after school, I take my kids out. Uh, We go to the beach or we go riding bikes or something like that. And on the way home, we sometimes have McDonald's for dinner. Now, a few years ago, when I first used this illustration and before my children turned into eating machines, we used to get one family box between us. We now get about five of them, but uh, we used to get a family box. Uh, The family box had four packets of chips in it between five people, me and my four children. So what I used to do, I would give each of my kids one packet of chips which, of course, left none for me. That meant, if I wanted a chip, one of the kids had to give it to me. I remember the first time it happened. I said to one of my children, may I have a chip, please? The answer, no, they're my chips. (laughs) As you can imagine, I felt annoyed. Now, I could easily have bought another packet of chips. I think they were $1.45 or something like that. I could easily have gone without a chip. I could very easily go without a chip. But I thought, no, there's an important lesson here for my children. So I explained for them the situation. I said, I gave you those chips and the burger and the drink. In fact, I gave you the whole meal. In fact, I give you every meal you eat (laughs) and I give you a house to live in 
and a bed to sleep in and clothes to wear and toys to play with. I pay for your electricity. I pay for your gas. I pay for you to go to school. I have taken you out today in my car that I let you drive around in day by day. I give you everything you have, you, you have. If I ask you for a chip, a chip that I gave you in the first place, don't you think that you should give it to me? <laughs> don't you think that you should give it to me graciously? Don't you think that you should give it to me willingly? If you are hungry at the end of this meal, I can buy you another chip. Chips are not the issue. The issue is this. How do you treat your father who gives you everything? My children learned the lesson. <laughs> Very well. Now I don't even need to ask for a chip. They offer them to me with grace and with willingness. Even nowadays, if I have my own chips, they still offer me. I think they actually like that they can offer me a chip. They feel good about giving something to their dad. And I have to say, I find it pleasing. I really like it when they offer me a chip. To me, it is more than just a chip. It's an acknowledgement. It is an acknowledgement that I have given them what they have. It's an acknowledgement that they are thankful to me. It says good things about the kind of people they are becoming. They are becoming the kind of people who know how to receive good gifts from their father and respond with appropriate love. It says good things about who they are becoming and it says good things about the kind of relationship that we have that they love that they could give something back to their dad. Friends, God doesn't need anything from you. Anything you give to him, he gave to you in the first place. But like a father, God is pleased when we give. When we use the money that he gave us, not just for ourselves, but to further his mission in this world, God is pleased. It says something good about the kind of person you are becoming. It says something good about your relationship with him. That's the first reason why money spent on mission is money well spent. It's pleasing to God. Second reason is this. Here's the second reason why money spent on mission is money well spent. When we spend money on mission, it has eternal benefits. Eternal benefits for other people and for us. Uh, when we spend money on mission, it has eternal benefits for other people and for us. Have, have a look again at 1 Timothy chapter 6. And notice the eternal benefit that comes from being generous. Uh, Paul describes it as laying up treasure in the coming age. He writes, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, what way? Being generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You can't get around that passage, can you? Generosity buys eternal treasure. Treasure that's a firm foundation for the coming age. That's how you take hold of heaven. That's what God's word is saying here, isn't it? You can spend money on yourself, and that's fine. It says it there. God gave it to you to enjoy. But you can also be generous and share your money, and that will lay up treasure in the next life. Now, I don't think we should be picturing um, 
counting heavenly coins in heaven or something like that, gold coin, lots of gold coins or something. I think the treasure that Paul is talking about is people. Uh, he wrote this to the Thessalonians. He said to them, what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we'll glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. The people he shared the gospel with, who became Christians through him, become his treasure. Somehow, when we are generous to people, those people themselves become like treasure for us in heaven. How does that work? Well, I think Jesus explains it in a really interesting way in, in that reading that we had before that uh, Jeff read for us before. Jesus uses the parable of a manager. This manager is about to lose his job and so he gives out discounts to some of his master's clients. His idea is that after he loses his job and has to find a new house, some of these clients might be willing to, to take him into their houses, to welcome him into their houses. As he let, says, Luke chapter 16, verse 4, I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. He gives the discounts. Jesus applies the parable to his hearers in these words. He says, Jesus says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone the worldly wealth you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings jesus says we should buy friends use our money to gain friends friends who will welcome us into heaven a bit of a strange parable but i reckon this is a beautiful picture i love this picture when you and I get to heaven, it is possible that we could have people waiting there for us. Friends waiting to welcome us. Let's just picture it for a minute. Picture yourself for a minute. Just imagine yourself and uh, you're approaching the gates of heaven. You arrive at the gates and there's a whole queue of people waiting. A whole queue of friends waiting the first friend comes up to you. you. You never actually met him. You never actually met this person, but he says, Hey, good to see you. I've been looking forward to meeting you because I've been wanting to say thanks. Thank you for giving money to Mission Day back in 2014. Now, that money went to Andrew and Sarah Lubbock in Florence. Andrew trained up a bloke called Andrea Bettulini. Uh, Andrea shared the gospel with my auntie who shared the gospel with my mum. And my mum told me about Jesus. And by God's grace, I came to faith in Jesus. Thank you so much for your generosity. You are part of why I'm here. Welcome. Great to see you. I am so looking forward to spending eternity with you. Part of the reason I'm here. And that's just the first person. Now you work your way through a long line of, a long line of people. Eternal friends bought with your money here on earth. That, I think, is the treasure. The treasure, the joy, the privilege of spending the rest of eternity with people you generously spent your money on, people who are thankful, friends who will welcome you into eternal dwellings. All right, so there are the two reasons why money spent on mission is money well spent. It's pleasing to God and it has eternal benefits for other people and for us. Okay, so can you see the four points? You see the four points we've covered today? Four principles, four points. One, God owns our money. We're accountable for how we spend it. There's nothing to be proud of, though, when we give to mission. It's his anyway. 
Point number two, God's given us our money. It's ours to do with as we think best. You don't have to feel guilty or burdened about all this stuff. You don't have to worry about spending money on yourself. Just enjoy God's good gifts and say thank you very much to him. He's a generous father. He loves it that you enjoy his good gifts. Three, money isn't God. Don't rely on it or worship or serve it as if it it is. Don't let it lead you away from the real God and think about why you're not being more generous. And finally, number four, money spent on mission is money, money well spent, pleasing to God, eternal benefits for ourselves and other people. Friends, I hope you I hope I haven't made you feel a little guilty. I hope you're not feeling really defensive today. I hope you don't feel like I'm standing in front of you saying your money or your life or something like that. But a day is coming when you and I will stand before God. All the money that we spent on ourselves will be gone. We'll have enjoyed it while it lasted, and that's fine. Honestly, it is fine. Don't feel guilty. But on that day when we stand before God, it is the money that we spent on mission. The money that we invested in precious eternal people. The money we spent furthering God's kingdom that we will rejoice in forever. God will be pleased, and friends will welcome us. You know, brothers and sisters, it's your call. You do what you want with your money, but my advice is this. Invest generously in God's mission. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you because you are gracious to us and are our Father and have given us every good thing for our enjoyment. We thank you so much because you are very kind and very good. Uh, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity that we could actually give money that has eternal benefits and that is pleasing to you. Lord, you're very kind to us. Please help us to grasp joyfully this opportunity and to give generously to mission. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.